When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. Afternoon thunderstorms are my favorite. The heat of the day being swept away in each tiny drop. The smell of petrichor perfuming the air makes me a bit giddy and impulsive. I stepped out into the light shower and put out my tongue. The moment the water landed, I tasted it, and it tasted like a memory. Fresh and intact, I could remember her. Baking bread, smiling at me. The dough sticking to her wrists, the flour dusting her pink apron. I was frozen in the memory. There's only one story for this episode because the story is particularly long, but it's one of my favorites. Perhaps it's the odd ending, or that some people speculate it was based on true events. However it came to be, it has lived on, becoming more fantastic and fascinating in each telling. This particular story is not currently available on any of Simon Brooks' CDs, so it's a rare treat to hear him tell The Pied Piper. The Pied Piper of Hamlin is an old story, and some say that it's a a true story. It is at least a legend. The sources from um, the version I'm going to tell come from Robert Browning's poem, The Pied Piper of Hamlin, which was published in 1842, Andrew Lang's Red Fairy book, The story in that is called The Rat Catcher, and that was published in 1890. And then Grimm's story, The Kinder zu Hamlin, from German Stories, which was published in 1816. It seems the original story came from a stained-glass window in a church in Hamlin that was built in the 1300s. This window was described in writings between 1300 and 1700, but the church burnt down in 1660. It's said that the rat invasion happened in 1264. The story in the window only referred to the children of the town vanishing. The rats were added later to the story in a version written in about 1559. Since then, there have been many variations, written, produced, TV shows, radio shows, operas even since then. And this is my retelling of the Pied Piper of Hamelin. The Pied Piper, retold by Simon Brooks, 2018. It was a long time ago when this happened, if it truly happened. The children went missing, that seems to be a fact. A stained-glass window in the Hamelin church told the story back in 1300, The church burned down 300 years later. The city then was plagued with rats, large rats, small rats, old rats, young rats, fat rats, thin rats. They were everywhere. They would run across your face at night. 
opening a cupboard in the morning, would find rats scurrying over your plates and bowls. You would hear them dancing in your cutlery before the intelligent creatures pushed open the drawer from the inside to leap at the kitchen table and eat your breakfast. Putting on your coat to leave for school or work, you might disturb a nest of baby rats born hours before as you reached into your pockets. Sacks of food were ripped open by sharp teeth, barrels were gnawed through, root cellars raided. It seemed if one rat gave a cry, a sea of brown, beige and black would move, undulating across the town to vanquish some recently found food. Mothers stayed awake at night in fear that their newborn babies would be smothered by the rats. The sound of squealing and squeaking seemed endless. All night and all day came the noise of rats moving through walls, ceilings and underfloors. Days turned to weeks, weeks turned to months. There were not enough traps, not enough rat catchers, not enough dogs. The cats at first fought furiously. They became too fat to hunt. Then the cats were outnumbered and chased away by the rats, or worse. The townsfolk went to the council and the mayor. The rats are eating supplies, one voice cried. What supplies they don't eat, they spoil, called another. Their filth is everywhere, the townspeople complained. For every rat killed, ten take its place. This voice was tired and weary. A woman shook her head. The elderly and infirm are attacked by the vermin. A man repeatedly wiped his hands on a stained apron. The creatures swim in pickle vats. They do not drown but fetch out the pickles and toss them to the others to eat. Everyone was talking at the same time to the mayor and his council. But then one voice sounded out louder than the others. What do you plan to do to make this horror stop? The council, in their plush chairs and their fancy robes, regarded one another until all eyes were on the mayor. He blustered and shrugged his shoulders. I have tried to entertain many ideas, but nothing comes to mind. I blame the rat catchers myself. If they had been on top of the work, this would never have happened. One of the rat catchers pushed forward. We've been working non-stop since the first rats appeared. There's nothing we can do. There are too many of them. It's as if this is a holiday resort for rats. And if we have to resort to finding a new mare, the rat catcher turns to the others. Maybe that's our only option to end this misery. Well, there's no need to be hasty. Give us all another day. So the townsfolk left for another day. A day filled with the stink and noise of rats. The following morning a stranger appeared in the town. He wore clothes which seemed dated to the citizens of Hamlin. Great diamond shapes, alternating in black and white, covered his breeches and shirt. Garish and flamboyant silks attached to his outer tunic floated about him. Green leather shoes, ending in a curved point, adorned his feet as he danced through the streets. His fingers flourished and moved, twitched and rolled as if they needed to be engaged in some activity. He watched the rats running here and there, invading businesses and homes. His sharp eyes saw the people kick and tread on the rats, or suddenly pull them from a pocket, and, face grimacing, toss them by the tail in with the rest that ran around. The stranger took all this in, nodded, 
and headed for the largest building in the centre of the town square, the town hall. The way he floated up the great steps, his feet seemed to dance to an unheard song. The yellow and red silks on his tunic flapped around him in a movement of their own. One step, two steps at a time, three, he reached the top, and glancing along the hall to the left, then to the right, noticed the council chambers. With an ornamental rap and tap, he swung open the door and glided into the room. Food piled high on silver and gold plates, wine bottles both upright and lying on the table covered the surface. Leftovers on more plates discarded and pushed aside, some food and sauces staining the cloth that covered the table. Two large and menacing cats, one licking itself clean, sat near a hole in the skirting board. They patiently waited for their next meal to come out from the hole. The councillors and mayor examined the strange man who had entered. The mayor peered down his nose at this unusual character. What are you doing here? Are you lost? These are the council chambers and not for riffraff. I'm not riffraff. I'm a piper. I'm called the Pie Piper. For your garments, no doubt. The mayor sneered at the piper and his clothing sporting the two colours or shades, black and white. Probably. And what do we need a piper for? To take our minds off the rats or to entertain the rats themselves? Some of the councillors laughed at the mayor's little joke. I know many tunes and melodies. I've removed scorpions from palaces in the Far East, freed sultans in Egypt from swarms of locusts, and in Russia I saved the emperor from a plague of bats. The Pied Piper moved along the table, his fingers tapping on the tablecloth. He smiled. I wonder if I can help rid your town of rats. Maybe I misunderstand the situation and they are your pets? They are not our pets, the mayor stood, his fists banged to the tabletop, making glasses rattle. Rats are very intelligent creatures. The piper's hands and fingers moved like scurrying legs. They are a nuisance, sir, a terror to some, the mayor's tone softened. He appeared to be thinking. Do you really think you can rid us of the rats? For a fair fee, I can. This is my work, not just to entertain, although I do that well, but to free those who are infested with ill luck and strife. For a fair fee. For a fair fee, you say. The mayor stroked his chin. A thousand guilders, and I will pipe these creatures away. None will return. You'll be rid of them for good. One thousand guilders was no small amount of money. The mayor sat back in his chair. A thousand guilders? I will give you five thousand if you can rid Hamlin of these rats. Here, here, the council chimed in, nodding vigorously. An election was coming up, and if they were to fix this mess, well, then they stood a chance to keep their plush positions, mahogany-lined rooms and cabinets filled with fine wine. Five thousand guilders, I only asked for one. The piper studied the mare. Five thousand we promised, and five thousand you'll get. Now rid this town of rats. The mare pointed to the door. The piper spun on his heels, arms wide, his red and yellow silks flying outward. Striding through the ornate doors, he reached into a pouch and pulled out a pipe. Unusual symbols carved in the beautiful rich wood curled around the holes.
The pipe seemed to leap into his hands. His fingers took their place and he blew. Walking out into the street, the piper played a merry tune. The rats nearest him stopped what they were doing. They heard a moment or more of the music, and the creatures scurried and scampered towards the pied piper. Others, further away, heard the piper and turned from their occupation. Large rats, small rats, old rats, young rats, fat rats, thin rats danced to the music. They swarmed a great sea of fur, sound and stench, chattering around the piper. He stood in the centre plaza as rats leapt out of barrels, crawled out from under homes, busied out from businesses, crept from people's clothing, piled out of pipes and drains, funnelled from the church. They all ran to the piper. Lifting up a foot, he moved, and the rats moved with him. He turned a slow circle, and the entire mass of rats moved as a carpet about him. It was a dance, a grotesque dance, a dance of disease, a dance of filth, but the piper led the dance through the streets and to the Vesa River. People cried from balconies to thank him. Children cheered him. Men doffed their hats to the Pied Piper as he played his enchanted tune. The rats were pulled with his music to his side. More and more joined the throng as step by step the grey rats, the brown rats, the beige rats, the torp rats, the black rats and the white rats followed his every move, not caring where their feet landed. The Pied Piper leapt into a boat tied loosely at the river's edge. With one hand playing, the other pulled the rope free and his momentum pushed the craft into the river. The rats followed. They swam, chasing the tune he played. The older rats, the fatter rats, could not keep up, and one by one they sank beneath the waters. Overjoyed, the town's people cheered as they watched him float away, taking their plague with him. They jumped for joy and shouted. The mayor and councillors came out onto the town hall balcony to witness their winning stroke. The town was being rid of rats because of them. The pied piper in the boat drifted with the current. The rats, trying to catch the craft, struggled only to drown until the river was empty, but for the piper alone in the boat. The rats rested at the bottom of the Vesa River. The mayor took charge. Rip out all the rats' nests you can find. Block up the holes. Have the carpenters and builders fix the damage. Sweep up the filth. Wash down the streets. Leave not a trace of the rats. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Too Close to the Sun Tanning Booth. No one wants to be a pasty hero, so before setting off on your next adventure, look the part by visiting Too Close to the Sun Tanning Booth. Specialized tanning beds and spray-on options for those in a hurry will make you feel like you're so beautiful you could fly. They also offer waxing services and feather soft massages. I would also like to thank listener Isabel Rosalie from Switzerland, who left a review on iTunes and wrote, This podcast is a fantastic resource, not only for people who love listening to high-quality storytelling, but also for storytellers to find new inspiration. Rachel Ann Harding does a wonderful job putting it all together in such a creative and magical way. I blush, and I'm so glad there are listeners around the world.
So this rainstorm tasted like memories. Was it a trick? I opened my mouth again. A drop hit my tongue, and I remember the squeal of tires, the spinning car, the sound of glass breaking. A shiver of panic opened my mouth again. Another drop landed. There was that day in New York with the fish and the boba tea and the people dancing in the park. Blinking, I stepped back under the shelter. The rain tasted like memories. The good, the bad. There was no way to know which one I'd get. Maybe when I was feeling brave, I'd taste the rain again. But for now, I'd rather think of memories on my own. And now we return to the conclusion of the story. What's that old saying? Huh. We all must pay the piper. It was afternoon when the piper returned to Hamlin. He smiled, and people waved and patted him on the back. His light feet took him to the town hall and up the marble steps to the great door of the council chambers. With an ornamental rap and tap, he swung open the door and glided into the room. Now your town is empty of rats. The piper bowed. They are drowned and will not bother you again. Although you told me you would pay 5,000 guilders, I only asked for 1,000, a fair fee. The councillors peeked at one another before they stared at the mayor. The mayor cleared his throat. A thousand guilders for playing a pipe seems not such a fair price. I dare say I could have done the same myself. But to do what I did, you need to know all the tunes, the melodies, the ornamentation. It takes years of practice. I doubt you could have done it yourself. The piper smiled and inclined his head. I doubt that the townsfolk, if they should find out about this, will look so favourably on you, if we empty our coffers for your fee. You offered me five thousand guilders. Promised me. I ask only for a single thousand. We agreed to this. The piper frowned. His fingers danced. A fair fee would be a hundred guilders. The mayor checked the councillors, With raised eyebrows, the men nodded vigorously. That we can afford. The piper strode over to the table, his clothes hanging limp. His fingers fidgeted. He reached for a bottle of wine. The piper lifted the bottle and read the label. He pushed at a plate, studying the contents. The piper put a finger in one of the sauces to taste it on his lips. The pied piper's voice was barely above a whisper. Such fine food and drink. His sharp eyes reached into each and every soul of those who sat around that table. I have other tunes. It's not just rats I can make dance. Please pay what you promised. The mayor laughed at the piper. Look at you, with your ragged clothes, your vagabond pouch, stinking of rats in the river... Play whatever tune you care to play. The rats are dead and gone. Blow your pipe till you burst. The councilmen laughed and slapped their bellies and thighs. The Pied Piper lowered his head and left. The Piper stood in the centre of the plaza. With sadness on his face, he brought the pipe to his lips. His fingers curled around the instrument and danced over the holes as he blew such a sound as to fill every heart with glee. 
He played and played, such a joyful song with sadness in his eyes. No rats came to his tune this time. There was no squeaking, twittering, squealing or screeching. Instead, the sound of children's laughter filled the town. Boys and girls ran through the streets to gather about him and dance to the merry tune. Hands clapped along with the beat and the Pied Piper walked towards the Vesa River. More and more children came up to him and smiled up at his face and glinting eyes. Any child who could walk or run danced by his side. He smiled at them and never broke from the tune. Parents attempted to join the dance but found their feet frozen. The adults outside found themselves unable to move from where they stood. The children pressed about the piper, joy in their smiles, hearts and laughter. Closer he strode to the river, each step a dance, and the girls and boys danced along. Parents called out to their young ones, but they only heard the music of the pipe. At the water's edge, he turned and headed for the hills. The children followed with eager steps. The mayor and the council, hearing the shouts, opened the great glass doors of the chambers and stepped onto the balcony overlooking the plaza. What is he doing? People shouted up to the mayor. He's taking our children like he took the rats. Surely he'll not drown them. No, look, he's taking them over Koppelberg Hill. A smile grew on the mayor's face. He cannot play the pipe and climb. He'll have to stop and rest. And then we can catch the scoundrel. The mayor turned. But like the other adults, he could not move his feet. Their legs were all frozen as if made of wood. The parents, aunts, uncles, older cousins, nephews and nieces could only watch. The piper did not stop. He did not have to. Those who had a view of the hill saw the side open up and the joyous crowd of laughing children danced their way inside. The piper played as they tripped and skipped, all rosy cheeks and sparkling teeth into the hill. The adults witnessed in terror the hillside close behind them the last to enter, being the piper. The music ceased and the townsfolk found they could once more move. The adults ran to Koppelberg Hill. All who were capable searched high and low, through the trees and bushes, the vines and brambles, in caves and behind great stones. The people could find no entrance. One hundred and thirty-two children were lost but one returned. It was said he had twisted his ankle and had not kept up with the others. He told of the tune the piper played, how it promised joyous lands of fresh, sweet water and fruit trees, fair flowers, sparrows brighter than peacocks, bees with no stingers, horses with eagle wings and no sickness or hunger. That one boy lost this and all his friends. The mayor was thrown out of Hamlin when people heard what he did. He was told not to return until he found the children. Some say he died trying, others believed he died in hiding. This all happened a long time ago, if it truly happened at all. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Simon Brooks on the internet, tell him you heard him on the podcast, and now want to hear him tell more stories. 
He has a new book out, you know. Find Under the Oaken Bough and enjoy some of his other storytelling cleverness. You can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. The idea for this week's fairy tale sponsor comes from the beautiful brain of Kevin Cordy. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was from a story seed by Laura Packer. You can find her lovely story and writing prompts by looking for her on social media. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast for as little as $4 a month, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com and hear me read your name and thank your beautiful face for the world to hear. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'd be willing to go write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. And if you tune in, you will hear more stories next week. But until then... Live happily ever after. And Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.